Hey everyone, you're listening to the Exchange Student Ministry Podcast. God, we just thank you for this time. Just thank you for this uh, opportunity to just be here online, Lord, with, uh, with everyone here. Lord, I pray that you will just bless this time and bless the people here who are watching with us tonight, Lord. I pray that you will speak through me and the words that uh, come out of my mouth tonight, Lord, will be glorifying to you and, we, and you will change lives through that tonight, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, so last week we finished out our series of Totally Mental, and it was a series about mental illness, and I thought it was a great idea to do that with the coming month, and I believe, if I remember correctly, this is a, uh, the month of May is Mental Health Awareness Month, so this may be a good time to check out those podcasts if you um, need any encouragement with that. I think it'd be a great idea if you could go out there or share it with a friend who may need that, so... Uh, that's one of the reasons why we created the podcast. I want to make sure that you have that resource out there for you. Um, so if you need a refresher on what we talked about over the last uh, three weeks, they are out there. I think I'm behind on one of the podcasts. I'm getting it out there, but I will get that out there shortly. Um, so this week, we are going to be starting a new series uh, called Phil. And it is not about just a guy named Phil. It is a four-week uh, study on the book of Philippians. And um, it's the book of Philippians is kind of about a growth of believers in Philippi. So I want to uh, spend some time with this. Um, so we're going to be spending four weeks over this. There are four, cha- uh, four chapters in the book of Philippians. So it kind of works out well that way. So this series was put together for students in mind, um, especially for them who are trying to uh, live a life for Christ. So I want to challenge you throughout this series to really evaluate your own relationship with Christ uh, throughout all of that. So um, the battles we face in the real world um, are real, they're tough, but we need to be prepared to face them. We need to be prepared to um, hit them head on. We will be in Philippians uh, 1 tonight, the first chapter of Philippians. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Philippians 1. Um, If you don't, um, if you're on Facebook or YouTube, it will be on the screen for you. Um, But if you're on Instagram, it won't be there. So if you have a Bible, you can tune in there or look it up there. Or you can jump over to our YouTube channel or Facebook channel. That would be either one is fine. Um, We aren't going to be reading each and every verse um, because we don't have um, that kind of time. But I do want to hit some important points. uh, So we're going to take some time with that. So the first couple of verses um, of the book of uh, the first chapter of Philippians, it's kind of like an intro. It's, uh, it's a greeting from Paul, and it's basically setting the tone for what this is going to be all about. So let's turn to Philippians 1, 3 through 5. It says this, and if you can see it on your screen, um, it'll be right there on your screen. It says this, Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my request for all of you with joy. For you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you heard it until now. So what is the reason for celebrating someone's salvation? What happens after celebrating salvation? You know, in in Philippians, the book of Philippians, we see that after Paul uh, celebrated and rejoiced in their salvation, he gave thanksgiving. Paul gave thanks to God 
for saving these people from the wrath that they were due, from what they deserved. Paul celebrated their salvation. When he was done, he made sure to give thanks to God for delivering the church to the point of salvation. He made sure to give thanks to God. Uh, Paul had been with this church before. Uh, since he had left on his uh, mission journey, he heard that the church's salvation um, and growth is real. He heard that this was, a, this was a real deal. Paul does something incredible here, something all believers should really do. He gives thanks for salvation. So the question here is, have you thanked God for your salvation lately? Have you shown gratitude for the salvation that you were given and even the salvation around you? Have you thanked God for saving you from the punishment that you deserve? Have you thanked God for saving you? We're going to move on to verse 6 here. And it says this, and I am certain that God, who began, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. So it is right that I should do, should, so it is right that I should feel as I do about all of you. For you have a special place in my heart. You share with me the special favor of God, both in my imprisonment and in defending and confirming the truth of the good news. God knows how much I love you and long for you with the tender compassion of Christ Jesus. How has God grown in your life since your salvation began? How has God grown? Have you moved closer to God since you first believed in him? Or have you done the opposite? What have you seen God do in your life? You know, reading through these verses, uh, two things come to my mind. The first thing is grace, and the second thing is sanctification. If we look at the grace aspect, we see uh, an undeserved gift. We see an undeserved gift that allows us to experience the fullness of God's love for us. This is the gift of eternal life. We are partakers of grace. That is accepting the gift of eternal life. Mercy and pardon has been shown to us. That's the forgiving of sins. This is Jesus forgiving us of our sins. Looking at sanctification, we see uh, that this is a big word. And sanctification, all that means is to make holy. Uh, we look in verse 6. It says, Who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. If you are a Christ follower... Your Christian walk is not complete when you invite Jesus to become the Lord of your life. It's not done when you do that. It isn't just like this, this thing that happens when you accept Jesus into your life. It's not just like this, this up, up, upwards uh, slope, and once you accept Jesus into your life, it just kind of flattens out. That's not how it works. It's an upward slope while you're accepting Jesus into your life. He, it, the process is not over. It's not complete. The walk is not complete. After you are saved, you begin going through this process of sanctification. And, and like I said, it's this big, complicated-sounding word. And all it means is that God has started a process in you at the moment of your salvation. He is making you more and more like Him. Making you more and more like Him. And you, may, you might start this process out with you know uh, a lot of excitement. And uh, a lot of, and you may feel like you're on top of the world. 
But then trials hit and you run into tough times and your walk with Christ becomes more like a roller coaster rather than maybe a little slope. It becomes more like a roller coaster where it's rocky and it's bumpy and it zigzags all over the place. Your walk with Christ feels like a roller coaster. And over time, if we allow God to work in our lives, we can become more and more like Jesus. We see Jesus is helping and working in us to become more like him every day. That's what he's doing. So what steps are you taking in your life to become like Christ? What steps are you taking in your life right now to become like Christ? How have you seen God's grace throughout your life? And how does that help you grow spiritually? How, what, what steps are you doing, are you taking in your life right now to become more and more like Christ? Let's, uh, let's look at verse 9 through verse 11 here. It says this, I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters so that you may, you may, be, you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ returns. The day of Christ's return, I'm sorry. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Christ Jesus. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. We can see from other letters by Paul that he was constantly praying and thankful for Christians from all kinds of churches. So a question here is, do you pray for other Christians? Do you pray for other people who follow Jesus? Another question is, how can we pray for other Christians? Whether they are new in their faith, whether they just became a Christian, or they've been a Christian for years. And why should we pray for fellow believers? Why should we do that? In verses 9 through 11, these verses are meant to be an encouragement to us as believers. It's supposed to encourage us to do these things. Christ followers all have the same goal. We all have the same goal in mind. And it is to walk in Christ with a purpose. To walk in Christ with a purpose. This means that we need to model our lives after Jesus' example. That's what verse 10 here is all about. We need to be people who pursue excellence and live in a manner that is pure and blameless before God. You know, as Christ followers, we have this goal to help other people know Jesus more. But our goal should also be to encourage other Christ followers to walk in a life that is glorifying to God. We all have a next step in our Christian walk. We all have a next step. We can grow in our connection with Jesus every day. We can do this through love, knowledge, and discernment. We all have that next step. That's what Paul is saying here in these passages. And we can be challenged in our spiritual growth. We can be challenged in our spiritual growth. We can be held accountable to our goals and our decisions. You know, and to be held accountable, we can do these through strong relationships. Maybe they're other Christian friends. Maybe they're able to hold us accountable with what's going on in our lives. Or maybe it's me. Maybe you ask me to be your accountability partner and you ask me to help you. 
and to help guide you in a certain way. Or maybe it's your other leaders in the exchange. Maybe you ask them to help guide you and help move you in the right direction. Or maybe it's your parents. Maybe you have a, a really good relationship with your parents and maybe they're able to help guide you in a way that is able to uh, lead you and hold you accountable in the directions that you want to go. But we all have the same goal in mind and it is to help other people know who Jesus is. And if we need to encourage other Christ followers to do that, that's what we need to do. And we got some closing Closing thoughts here. The closing thought here is, what things can you do to take steps to live for God? What can you do to take steps to live for God? And this is kind of something that we were hitting on slightly uh, just a little bit ago about holding other Christians accountable. This is something that we should be holding each other accountable to. What can we do to take steps to live for God? If you really think about that and really spend time on this question, you got to really dig deep and try and figure out what you're holding on to that's holding you back from growing closer to God. And maybe the next step that you need to take is spending more time in your Bible. Maybe you need to get into a better habit of reading your Bible every day. And I know for me personally, I struggle, especially during this quarantine, uh, getting on a good routine uh, to read my Bible every day. Because what I would use, what I used to do was I would get up, I would uh, go let the dogs out, I would get ready, and I would read my Bible before I went to work. And I would do that every morning. But now, uh, my schedule has kind of changed a little bit in the mornings because I don't have to get up and go to work because I got moved to work from home. So my schedule lately has been get up, let the dogs out, and go work. And I haven't gotten in my process to read my Bible consistently every day. So maybe it's you need to get in a better habit of reading your Bible or maybe you need to start reading your Bible. Maybe you need to start reading your Bible more than you already do. And maybe you don't read your Bible at all, so maybe you need to start. Maybe you need to start doing that. Maybe it's praying more. Maybe it's talking to God more. Maybe you need to spend more time talking to God and that's how you take your next step to live for God. Or maybe it's finding an accountability partner. Maybe you need to find someone who is able to help guide you and move you in the right direction. What steps do you need to take to live for God? So I want to give you an opportunity here uh, as we're finishing up. I want to give you an opportunity to uh, give your life to Jesus if you've never done that. Because we talk a lot about uh, what we're supposed to do as Christ followers. But what does it mean to you if you don't know who Jesus is? So I want to give you that chance and I want to talk about that briefly for just a minute. What does it mean to be a Christ follower? How do, you be, how do you give your life to Jesus? Well, it starts off by believing that Jesus died for our sins and that he rose again three days later so that way we could have eternal life. So what does that look like for you? You know, maybe you've heard that and maybe you've never really acted on that. Maybe you've never really fully believed in Jesus. And maybe right now you're sitting here thinking, you know, I need to do that. I need to give my life to Jesus and I need to take this seriously. This is your chance. This is your chance to do that. And I want to give you that opportunity to do that right now. And um, one thing, one saying that I've heard uh, recently, uh, not recently, but I've heard it often, 
often enough for me to kind of catch on to it. And it is, if it's not God's time, you can't force it. And if it is God's time, you can't stop it. So what does this mean for you? Let's say you're sitting on the other side of the screen right now, and you don't know who Jesus is. This message here tonight may have brought up some thoughts in your head like, you know, maybe I really don't know who Jesus is. Maybe I really don't know who Jesus is. And maybe I don't really understand this whole God thing, you know? And that's okay. You don't have to understand everything to give your life over to Jesus. You don't have to understand it all right off the bat. But if it's not God's time, you can't force it. And if it is God's time, you can't stop it. Maybe it's your time tonight. Maybe it's your time tonight to give your life to Jesus. So if you are sitting on the other side of the screen right now and you're, and you're feeling like this is what you want to do and you want to give your life to Jesus and you want to take that next step in your walk with Christ, then I want to encourage you to pray this next prayer with me. And there's nothing super powerful about this prayer other than uh, if you don't mean it with all your heart, it means nothing. You have to mean the words that you're going to say. These words aren't magical. They aren't these magic spell words that once you say them, 10 times fast, it doesn't anything special. That's not what this is. What this is, is you basically giving your life to Jesus. These words are so important, but if you don't mean them, it means nothing. It does nothing for you. So if you pray this prayer, then your life changes. Your life has to change. And if you truly believe that your life needs to change, then these words will mean something to you. So I'm going to pray this prayer. You don't have to say it out loud, but if you want to say it out loud, you can. Um... But I want to, I'm going to pray this prayer with you, and I want you to repeat after me if this is a decision that you want to make tonight. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner, and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins, and you rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust you, and follow you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. If you just prayed that prayer tonight, I want to encourage you to reach out to me. My number's all over our pages. I want to encourage you to send me a text, reach out to me, message us on Facebook or Instagram or whatever you want to message us on. I want to encourage you to do that because you shouldn't have to walk through this next step of your life alone. And if you have questions, I want to encourage you to reach out to me. Um, if you just made this deci decision tonight, then uh, there's a good chance you're going to have some questions. So I want to encourage you to do that. I think it'd be really important if you did that. So um, again, my number's all over the pages. You can private message us. Um, I'm on all of the pages. So make sure you do that and I will reach back out to you and we can talk. So, all right, I'm going to close this out and uh, we will get out of here. Let's pray. God, we just praise you for this night, Lord, just the opportunity to be here online. And just to, uh, just to hang out here and just dive into your word, Lord. I pray that you will allow us to just understand what it means to be a Christ follower, Lord. And to really dive into what this passage is talking to us about, Lord. I pray that we will take this word seriously. And that we will be able to live this out in our life, Lord. I pray all this in your name. Amen.